The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, good morning and welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. Susie Carpenter's on here with us. You want to say good morning, Susie? Hello. Good morning, everyone. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, we really appreciate your support and your engagement. I've had so many calls this week, especially from all over the United States and quite a few emails even from overseas. So I know you're out there and we really, really appreciate it. We want you to be able to call in to us. Bear with me a minute. I don't have the number right handy. Here we go. Call in at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. And uh, let us know what you think, or if you have some background or an experience on this, we want to know. And if you don't want to call in or if you're picking this up on an archive, and many of our people, because this show goes all over the world, many of our people pick this up on archive. And that you can get that at Exploited Crimes, www.exploitedcrimes.com. And you can go on there and you can actually see all the previous uh, shows that we've had on there. By the way, if you want to uh, get an embed code and post this on your own website, especially if you're a church or a ward or a synagogue or a nonprofit organization, you can do that also. It is our passion here to literally educate as many people as we can around the world. The show is brought to you by Million Kids. That is Million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, Million Kids, because over a million kids are trafficked each year throughout the world. Well, for the last couple of weeks, Susie and I have been talking about sextortion. Now, you say if you're into combating human trafficking, why talk about sextortion or child pornography? Well, because there is a nexus, and it is exploitation, and and it's exploitation in the worst way. Sextortion often is a situation where you get lured in by sending a, a naked photo to someone you think you know or you think you like, and the next thing you know, you're being abused. Uh, but one of the things that happens in sextortion is that a lot of times the photos that are sent out there are sent out believing that they're going only to someone you care about and can trust and they're intercepted. There's just nothing private on the internet and people can intercept them. And the scary part is they go into large-scale child pornography rings. 
The, they recently discovered a child pornography ring that had 214,000 pedophiles in it. So as I've studied all this, and as those of you who know me know that I do a massive amount of research, I have become somewhat alarmed, is probably the right word, as I have seen technologies coming together in a way that we have never known before. And while these technologies will change our lives and they'll be exciting and there are many, many positive ways to use it, there are also some very dark ways to use it. As I've seen this, just the year 2016 has brought in many new technologies that on a standalone basis are not so concerning. But if you put them all together and realize what the impact of this will be on our future, then that's the reason why I've wanted to take this in and talk about live streaming. Live streaming is kind of a an extension, if you will, of chat rooms. In other words, what has happened is we've had chat rooms for quite a while. And I was preparing for the show, doing my show prep. I was surprised to see the number of articles dated back to 2011, 2012, where it was talking about live streaming and how to use it. Now, what they were really, at that point, talking more about are the video chat rooms like Uvu, that's that's spelled O-O-V-O-O, and Omegle, and some of those. And so this really started back with video chat rooms where people were coming together. I want you to fast forward with me for three more years. You know, this is really, really an exciting time to be alive, quite frankly. I, I am just grateful that I get to be a part of all the technology that has come upon us. I'm also very grateful and and somewhat alarmed at what the capability of this is. I'm grateful that we're having this ability to come together. For those of you who have a faith base or read the Bible, I sometimes think that we are living in the world of Babel 2020, you know, where the whole world was to come together and speak one language and like that. And um, interesting enough, this is kind of an electronic babble, if you think about it. Never before in all of our history has the whole world been allowed to come together. And it is our young people who are being allowed to be exposed to this. So one of the things that I've started to understand is, as I've started to realize, many people are predicting that by 2020, the entire world will be connected by the Internet. So that means that children in third world countries will have more ability to be exposed by evil and the bad guy. And that concerns me because children in third world countries, I've spent quite a bit of time in Cambodia with Rafa House, R-A-P-H-A, Rafa House. They're my heroes. I'm on their board. They're amazing people. But as you get into these third world countries and you realize the poverty the lack of opportunity, then you realize just how dangerous this is to begin to connect them with people who might want to take advantage of them. Also, we have cyber currency that has come on with this live streaming. Cyber currency, you've heard me talk about before, is is a non-traceable, and it's anonymous, and it makes uh, illegitimate transactions in the dark web a very real thing. Literally today, as Susie and I have talked about 
where this is going and how do we prepare a program to combat it. And we have prepared a program. We're in the process of developing it with some people that are developing software for global uh, child pornography. This program will be called Edge. Uh, we even have a beautiful logo that, that Susie made for us this week. I love it. I love it. It's a wonderful <laughs> logo. But Edge stands for Eradicating Domestic and Global Exploitation. Because one of the things we've realized is right now, today, you can literally have a live streaming event where, let's say, 10 or 20,000 pedophiles come together for 10 minutes and watch a poor child in Philippines or Cambodia or India or Africa watch a poor child be abused. 10 or 20,000 people can do this simultaneously. They can chat with each other. Let's say they're paying $200 a piece for this or 400 Literally in 10 minutes, some cartel will have just billed, let's say, $4 million. And in 10 minutes, it's all going to be over and nobody will ever know what happened unless they turn it into a video. So I began to understand how all of this is taking place. And I want you to understand it because this is a global problem. I mean, Susie and I are passionate as heck about this. And I spend a lot of my life working on this. But we need you. And if you're listening to this radio show out there, I am hoping that you will come on and contact us. You can contact us at opal, O-P-A-L, at millionkids.org. By the way, Me and Kids is a nonprofit organization. So that's opal at meandkids.org or post on our Facebook page at Me and Kids. Let us know who you are. So how does all this work and who are the people that are actually doing it? Well, they're pedophiles. I had a hard time picking out which story I wanted to share with you on this because there are so many. And, uh, you know, I look at pedophiles and they're men. They're men that you and I work with. Now, there are some women, and I'm always amazed when I see a a woman that's a pedophile, and and there was one in San Diego that had 40,000 images. But for the most part, they're men. And we track this on Excel spreadsheets on every case that we can find. For the most part, 85% of them here in the United States are Caucasian males. And 40% of them are connected to a school. And after that, it's often a pediatrician or a pastor, or a policeman, local people that you may know. And so it's kind of surprising as you look at it. It appears at this point that globally 50% of the pedophiles come from the U.S., but maybe that's because we're focusing on it because of our culture and our law enforcement. Well, let me give you a case. Earlier this year, Scott Lane was a 32-year-old Pace University official. Now, he was caught and arrested for live-streaming child pornography. Now, this is a high-powered man. By all accounts, Scott Lane is a regular guy. He had a high-powered job as an executive director of donor relations and fundraising at a Manhattan university. They were able to catch him because he videotaped his live-streaming event. Now, the videotape shows him. He, he called himself 31 NYC perv here. I find that's an interesting handle because why call yourself NYC perv if you don't think of yourself as a pervert? So in his case, he's at least on a playful level acknowledging he's a pervert. That tells me that he's not totally letting himself off the hook. 
Now, he's seen in these videos, and I don't believe that he's actually been charged, so we need to use the word allegedly until all of this goes through court, but he is seen on the videos as directing the abuse remotely. Now, I want you to think about this and what that means. In live streaming, it now gives you the the chance not just to chat about it, not just to make your own video, but literally to be engaged as the director of a child abuse video that it, or or in this case both video and live streaming that is taking place halfway around the world in other words they were bringing in a child that was overseas and he directed exactly what he wanted to have done i want you to get that from a psychological point of view from uh this perversion this pedophilia it gives them a certain level of power and control as they can sit there in the comfort of their home and order this done in a third world country now he's seen being uh, directing this but when he's arrested he denied partaking in the disgusting behavior he even told law enforcement that he saw something that made him uncomfortable He's totally in denial, and you will often see this with these pedophiles, that they're really in denial. Uh, I was on MSNBC on the Jared Fogle child pornography case, the guy who lost 200 pounds on uh, Subway. And, uh, you know, he totally denied. He did not see himself as a bad guy. You know, he can't believe that he was actually sentenced to 12 years in prison for this. He did not see what he was doing as wrong. And one of the dangers of live streaming is you really remove yourself from the action. While on the one hand, you have the control and the ability to um, oversee and direct the activity. On the other hand, you excuse your, your behavior, your involvement, your pedophilia. You excuse it as it's not really happening. It's that kind of thing like our kids are getting into. If it happens on the Internet, it's not real. And so, therefore, it's not wrong. So, we're up against a break here. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about who the victims are and what we can do to stop it. So, stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. You count. Tune into Inner Revolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. 
Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, we are talking about live streaming. And uh, I'm just fascinated about where this is going. And it is absolutely terrifying to me. We've been talking about the, the predator and how that looks to him and what they're doing and how they get involved. Now I want to talk a little bit about who their victims are and how this works. Now, before I start, uh, Susie has some information on the situation in the Philippines, and then I'm going to talk about another case in the Philippines. So, Susie, you want to share with us? Yeah, I was uh, reading an article again yesterday. It was uh, in The Guardian, May 30th, 2016, How Child Sexual Abuse Became a Family Business in the Philippines. I'm not going to read the entire article because it's very lengthy, but it is posted on our training blog, and you can find that on millionkids.org and scroll down to the training blog. Um, In this situation, the article is talking about, because as Opal mentioned earlier, about the poverty in the Philippines, there are communities in the Philippines where they are almost normalizing the sexual abuse of their children on webcams. Um, And I wanted to focus a little bit on a few of the statistics I pulled out of the article um, and talk a bit about the demand side again, because I'm a very strong believer that if we don't address the demand side This is never going to end. As long as there is a high demand, of course, those who are operating these pornography rings and and all of these kinds of uh, exploitation rings, they're going to make money hand over fist while uh, exploiting kids in impoverished countries and also in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Yes, you bet. Yeah, so from the article, it talks about uh, that the United Nations says there are tens of thousands of children believed to be involved in a rapidly expanding local child abuse industry already worth U.S. $1 billion. In some areas, entire communities live off the business, abetted by increasing Internet speeds, advancing camera phone technology, and growing ease of money transfers across borders. Mm-hmm. And while perpetrators used to download photos and videos to their hard drives, providing authorities with a virtual paper trail and usable evidence, criminals have found anonymity in encrypted live streaming programs. Stephanie McCourt, the Southeast Asia liaison officer for the UK's National Crime Agency, said the Philippines provided a perfect storm to allow the crime to develop. With its entrenched poverty and high level of internet access for a developing country. But there's one thing that she said was absolutely key, a widespread knowledge of the English language. Mm -hmm. It is hard to estimate the size of an industry involving small anonymous payments, roughly $5 to $200 a show, conducted in people's homes and mostly operated by families rather than large crime syndicates. We think that what we're seeing, what we're dealing with, is a small part of what is out there, she said. It's big money, big business. 
children are made to perform around the clock with morning live streams catering to Europeans and Americans and later in the day an Australian-based clientele. The number of ongoing live streaming criminal cases in the Philippines is rising from 57 in 2013 growing to 89 in 2014 and up to 167 in 2015. Um, but those numbers belie the true scale according to Detective Paul Hopkins, the head of the Australian Federal Police Team in Manila, who has spent the past two years investigating the crime. One indication of how much is being missed is the number of cyber tips, reports of sexual exploitation against children collected by the U.S.-based National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, NECMEC. In 2015 alone, NECMEC forwarded nearly 15,000 tips to the Philippine Office of Cybercrime and 80% referred to the online exploitation of children. Wow. Yeah, and that's not to say that the perpetrators are only based there. The uh, the Dutch NGO Terre de Homes uh, analyzed the industry, and I, we've talked about this before, by constructing a virtual 10-year-old Filipino girl called Sweetie. And I love this program because Sweetie is, is, is completely uh, computer-generated girl that they use, um, and they entrapped more than 1,000 adults who paid for her to perform sex acts. And the charity identified adults from more than 71 countries seeking out Sweetie's services. Um, so, you know, for me, again, I'm, I'm really going to reiterate that if we don't attack the demand side of this uh, and, and start to bring down the demand, this is going to just keep going and going and going. And the way technology is going, it is getting easier and easier and easier for these uh exploiters to to get away with this well i honestly believe and i probably sound like an alarmist i've been in this business a long time but i have not ever seen anything that is as uh, scary and as powerful as what is about to happen here because literally when you look at this this will change our world as and this is the very reason i created the edge program because this is a complex problem it's complex because of technology and it's complex because we have the ability to bring the entire world together and we have the ability to bring pedophiles together in a ring. And all of this can be exploited by, uh, literally, by cartels. And what's scariest is that we are not prepared for this with law enforcement, neither are we prepared for it legally. And I, I want to get into that here in a minute as we look at it. So we looked at the pedophile kind of point of view of who they are, and now we're looking at the victim. And the Philippines is absolutely well known for this, but I can tell you that it's also true in Cambodia, it's true in India, it's true in Africa, it's true in South America. This is happening anywhere there are exploited children. And what scared me is I began to understand, and maybe the word scared isn't correct, but what alarmed me, what what concerned me here is that when I realize that we are about to connect the entire world, what is happening is that we are connecting people in great poverty 
all around the world that have no protection. And they're already being exploited sexually. We know that because of my work that I've done out of Cambodia and, and others that are working out of India. But in that case, what is happening is the child is brought into a brothel and we can raid the brothel, we can find the brothel. But what's about to happen is as children in third world countries are brought together, it's going to be difficult to find them. Besides that, there's a world, literally a world full of impoverished and uneducated children that for three bucks, their older brother or a family member would be happy to sell their younger child in that family. And it will take place right in the family home where it will be difficult to find. So this is one of my concerns. I was looking at an article here. It also had to do with the Philippines. Now, the Philippines probably is the first and foremost to recognize how this is taking place. But we're going to probably get into it if I get in time. We're going to talk about some of the challenges with the law. Because think about this. You have a guy that's sitting in Norfolk, Virginia, let's say. Now, let's say he's sitting in Oklahoma. And you get the FBI. They get a search warrant. They don't know where he is. They're trying to find him from a search warrant from Quantico, Virginia. Turns out he's living in Oklahoma, but he's sharing it with his buddy in Michigan. And the child is being exploited in uh, Cebu, Uh, Philippines. So then how does this work legally as far as getting search warrants and getting cooperation? And especially if it's a country that has different laws. For instance, in the Philippines, the age of consent for sex is 12 years old. So, you know, and how do you look at a child in, in Philippines and tell if they're 12 or if they're 13 or if they're 10? And by the way, one of the very disturbing things that happened this week is Turkey lowered the age of consent for sex in Turkey for 12. So that makes it really difficult because if he's being viewed by someone in America and they're looking at this, they're saying, hold it, you know, this child's given consent, they're 12 years old. What really scared me, quite frankly, a while back, we had uh, Dr. Skip Lamford on who had just been through all the, uh, the refugee camps out of Turkey. And he's saying there's entire prisons that have been set up and turned into uh, child refugee camps there. And the older children are preying on the younger children. And I've thought to myself, oh, my gosh, if the, if the age of consent in Turkey is 12, you know, this is going to change child exploitation greatly, especially when you have millions of kids who have been displaced and are refugees. Well, in this particular article, we're looking at a, a town, and I can't really pronounce it. I tried to find it. It's I-B-A-B-A-O. It's about uh, 340 miles. I think that's called Ibaboa, maybe, but it's north uh, outside of uh, Manila, not sure which way. But this entire town was set up to uh, have child pedophilia. It was actually started in a uh, care daycare for children. And uh, they were live streaming these kids that were being violated on there. They're saying it was a fast growing business for this particular town. As many of the longtime residents are relatives, and they enjoy close ties, and they couldn't believe when they realized that this was taking care in a, taking place in a care home, excuse me, a daycare. 
And what happened here is that children were lured into the homes of neighbors and forced into perform sex acts in front of the webcams. Now, one of the reasons they're able to do this is it's a remote location. And in fact, some of the elected village leaders were relatives of these kids and knew it was happening and were ignoring it. And eventually what happened, it was turned up on files out of British, out of the UK pedophile two years ago, which started the manhunt. And this is usually how it happens in there. So they were literally uh, raided this thing. And what was happening is this was happening in a bungalow right next to this daycare. They literally had cyber sex dens in there where they were molesting their children. Now, some of this was taking place because of the culture. It said a Filipino woman from outside the community believed to belong to organized crime started it and relocated to the village. So this is taking place with organized crime. But the nature of the culture of the Philippine people is to not report, to mind your own business and stay out. So this is a and stay out and don't report. This is really a challenge when you think about the cultural issues here, because many of these cultures have been trained not to talk about it, not to report. On top of it, many of them are part of a cartel that exists in their very village, and they know that if they report, they themselves are going to be violated and their children. So it's a complex issue as we add this technology going into third world countries, because cartels literally control many of these poor villages. And there is a large... um, I don't want to say inventory, but there's a large uh, community here of very impoverished people that have very few alternatives, and it's in a culture where they're, they're guided all their lives not to report. So it it becomes a challenge as we begin to look at this legally about how do we attack this? How do we begin to approach this? Now, some of it is taking on technology. A lot of it is uh, increasing and enhancing literally laws that can go after it. As Susie said, the sex buyer and the people that are arranging this. But it's not as easy as we think because laws in countries all around the world are a lot different. If you're a law student or an attorney or a global policy person and you're listening to this, we welcome you to join into this conversation. Contact us. Let's take a look at this. We are going to have to form a global community to take this on. So we're up against a break. We'll be right back. Stay with us and we'll go deeper into this. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest-growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, 
video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back. We are talking about live streaming. I have Susie Carpenter on with me. She is the Media Marketing Director of Million Kids, and she operates the Million Kids Facebook. That is Million, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, Million Kids Facebook. Frankly, if you want to get involved, if you want to know more about this, if you want to stay up to date, our organization is known for doing a massive amount of research and education for law enforcement, for government agencies, for even faith-based communities, for pastors, for schools, administrators, and like that. So be sure and follow me and kids on Facebook. And you can also reach the archive shows at exploitedcrimes.com. Now, we are talking about the new technology of live streaming. I call it new, but I was amazed as I did the research that has been around for a while, but it is really uh, excelling in its capability, and I think you're going to see a lot more of it. I also am concerned because I am starting to be concerned as how it's coming together with other technologies. Uh, One of the things that I released to many of the people that follow me this week, I was looking at Facebook. Now, I'm a friend of Facebook for the most part, but they have had five new technologies. Obviously, we run Million Kids Facebook, but they've had some new uh, ventures technology in technology that really, when you think about the ability to bring these together, Facebook opened up a, 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 a live site, a legitimate site in the dark web. They basically are stating they're doing that for people who want total privacy. Then they added their own cyber currency. Well, that allows you to do a transaction that is anonymous and non-traceable. And so that's perfect for a child pornography ring because it's not traceable. You're down there. And then they added live streaming. Well, recently, this week, they added Marketplace. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's like Craigslist, you know, that kind of thing. But it's also like Backpage, B-A-C-K-P-A-G-E. If they start having escort services on there, then you're going to be able to do child pornography and prostitution site selling and promotion down in the dark web with their Marketplace. I, I can't believe that they were surprised. Now, they're their editor, their PR person says they're surprised, but 
they, these people aren't stupid. I mean, it's Mark Zuckerberg. You know, sure enough, the first week that they had Marketplace, the first couple of days, it was guns, drugs, and sex. Hello. What do they think is going to sell on there? And now this week, they've introduced encrypted messaging. All of these things, while they have wonderful capability on a regular life, in the hands of a pedophile, in the hands of a drug cartel, can be absolutely scary. Well, I wanted to look at live streaming. So maybe you don't know much about live streaming, but basically what can happen in a live streaming event, let's take Facebook Live. Literally, what is happening is that they just made it easier, first of all, to live stream with a smartphone and get involved with it. So although live streaming has been around for years and it started with apps like Meerkat and Periscope, now those are still existing, but quite frankly, they are struggling on there. Now, you know, literally Periscope developed a user base of 10 million users almost immediately, but they're having a little trouble keeping that user base because quite frankly, what people live stream just isn't that interesting. And so they've lost a lot of their marketplace. So what they really need is good content. And from a pedophilia standpoint, it's a perfect venue. But I want you to think about something here about that from pedophilia. If it's on your phone, it can be with you anywhere. And if you're addicted to child pornography, that means that it's on the seat of your car. While you're stopping at a stoplight, you can check it out. If you're at work, you can, you know, sneak off and look at it. If you're in the bathroom... You can take it to the bathroom with you. That means that a person who is addicted to sexual exploitation of children, that it's now with them everywhere. The other thing about live streaming is it brings communities together. Now, that has powerful impact psychologically, and this is one of the things that I really hope you understand what my concern is. Before, you would have a child pedophile and they would maybe stick together in a corner somewhere and exchange photos. But by coming together in large masses, you can find your own niche, whatever little fetish that you like. And there's a a factor in there. There's a psychological factor that goes on because you get approval from your teammates now, I don't, I've often marveled how these people come together. I mean, I can't imagine two guys standing around at a party going, hey, I'm into four-year-olds. How do they find each other, and then how do they build that trust? I've done, in the research I've done, a lot of these pedophilia rings require that you submit a picture of an uh, exploited child every week. They're doing that to make sure that it's not law enforcement. Because theoretically, law enforcement can't do that. They cannot distribute child pornography. They're breaking the law. So, But how do they find each other? The scary part of live streaming is this motivating and approval factor in there. And, you know, what's interesting when I studied this is that many of these pedophiles don't see themselves as doing anything wrong especially in live streaming. We've talked about this in some of our other sections for our teenagers. You know, they get involved in these video games. They pay real money on a credit card to have virtual sex with a prostitute, and then they kill her to get their money back. And if you ask them, you know, is that wrong? They go, no, it's just a game. It's what you have to do to win. And this idea of doing it on the Internet seems to give them a buffer 
for their guilt. They, they, on the one hand, they get power and control because they can direct it in live streaming. They can sit in their, in their home, let's say in Santa Ana, California, and direct a child to, be, to do certain sex acts over the webcam in Mumbai, okay? And so that gives them a certain amount of power and control, and yet there's this fantasy that this really isn't taking place, so they're not really guilty. And so we really have a challenge on our hand for this if you begin to look at it. Additionally, there's this factor that they're being brought together and they can talk together to enhance that experience. And that kind of gives them a level of approval, even even success as they, you know, wow, look at this one. What's really, really scary is the ability for a cartel to take this over and make massive amounts of money in a very short period of time. And that is really where my concern comes to, because they will prey on these guys who are addicted to this. And they will get them in a group and they will set up a mass exploitation. I've been calling it a mob cyber exploitation. And in 10 minutes, it's all over. And if they don't videotape it, think about this for law enforcement. You know, how do we get these bad guys like like uh, Susie was talking about? How do we get that sex buyer? Because in 10 minutes, it's over. They've had this experience. If they don't video record it, then it's over. And then there's no traceability of the money because all that money is done in cyber currency that disappears. As I talked about in my opening here, literally a cartel can bill $4 million in 10 minutes and have it all over. So where is this headed and how do we take this on? Especially when the group that's being exploited is in a third world country where, you know, first of all, they don't report. Second of all, the age of consent is 12. Mm-hmm. You know, third of all, cartels are operating already in those little villages. And, and you know, these people are used to being controlled by it. Then we're about to give the whole world little smartphones that'll be knockoffs. So I see this headed towards literally a, a global epidemic, a perfect storm for global exploitation. And there's all of these ideas. And, and as Susie and I were talking at, at the break, on top of it, there's this Namboy kind of deal out there mm-hmm. where they want to normalize pedophilia. Yes. Frightening. And yes, it's, it's absolutely frightening. How do we ever protect our child? And more than protecting the child, and that that is just my number one priority, but more than that, think about the fact that we're raising generations of kids where sexual abuse is being normalized. Mm-hmm. You know, even right here in America, NECMEC and Microsoft have a program called PhotoDNA where they look at every email you send out. Now, I hope you heard that out there. They are looking at every email you send out. Since they started this, they have intercepted 158 million images of naked and exploited children. 158 million. You know, hats off to NECMEC. These folks are my heroes. And I am very grateful for them and Microsoft for doing that. 
But 35 million of those images were sent by our kids themselves. These are naked photos. I read recently where kids here in Southern California thought that they needed to send their naked photo off to their boyfriend before they went on a date so he could see what he's getting. Hello? Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Have I woken up in a foreign land? Where am I? You know, know, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to, I was just going to mention also in that article that I read uh, from the Philippines, um, when they removed in in the one particular story where a mother was abusing her six children on webcam, um, they removed the children from the, obviously from the family home and placed them. um, But the kids had no idea that they were being abused. It was already normalized to them. Everyone in their neighborhood was doing it. Actually, I read an article uh, a couple months ago. A guy was running a safe house for sexually abused kids, and he had a new boy that had only been there a day or two. It was about six, and he said he got a phone call. And uh, he's talking on the phone, and all of a sudden he looked down, and this boy is masturbating. And he thought, what the heck is this, you know? And then it hit him. Oh, my gosh. I got a phone call. He's masturbating, thinking he's going to make money. Is mm-hmm. that crazy or what? It's, so yeah. this is this is an interesting time in our society. And I'm going to talk in the next segment about what we can do about it. So I show that we're up against a hard break here that we're getting ready to close out. I want you to think about how to join in with us. This is a massive problem. But I cannot think of a greater mission than one of saving our kids. That's what the EDGE program is all about. That's why Susie and I get up in the morning. We can take this on. There are a lot of things in place already that we can take it on. But we need you. We need you to get involved. We need you to follow me and kids on Facebook. Hey, if you want to donate and help our work, trust me, you can go to www.meandkids.org millionkids.org and make a donation we would appreciate it a whole lot but mostly we want you to get educated and get involved and understand so stay with us we're going to take a break and we're going to close out here in a minute on what we can do to combat this Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hi, and welcome back. We are talking about live streaming and the new technologies that literally will bring our world together. Now, we've painted a pretty dismal picture here in the last hour. There is no (laughs) doubt about it. I live in this world, and I myself am in the process of writing a white paper and creating this program called EDGE, uh, Eradicating Domestic and Global Exploitation. We're trademarking the logo, hopefully, this week. And uh, I want you to know that I believe that this is a problem that we can tackle and do something about, but it's going to take all of us. And this is one of the reasons that we do this radio show. By the way, if you're out there and you're a businessman and you want to sponsor this show or support this activity, we would highly, highly welcome that. Trust me. We appreciate the sponsors that we have. Coldwell Bankers help sponsor us and BMWs help sponsor us. And we really, really appreciate that and help get this radio show around the air, around the world on the air. But we need your involvement. As I look at this problem, it's kind of fourfold. Number one, it it is going to take technology. It's going to take software to be able to go and find literally the equivalent of photo DNA on live streaming. Well, we're already connected with those people and people that are working on it that are about to release technology, and we're really, really grateful for that. And I'm really excited to see their capability. I believe it's going to take global reporting, and we are in the process of working together with some other people to try to build a global reporting network. We think that that's absolutely important. Now, that's not as easy as you might think, because think about it, you know, you get a a culture like Cambodia or the Philippines or Rwanda, especially El Salvador, you do not pick up the phone and call the police in those countries. Uh, you know, that, that just doesn't happen. Number one, it's against the, the personal culture because there's a belief of what happens in the family stays in the family and it shouldn't be talked about. Then you have the challenge of, is this even seen as a crime? You know, uh, in many countries, there is an attitude about what's mine is mine. And that includes my family. So that's the challenge. So how do we set up, first of all, we can set it up technically, but then we need to be able to educate people that this is not right and get them to report. I was thinking about this because, you know, for instance, Rafa House in Cambodia, they pick up the phone. If you could get them to pick up the phone and call the police, which is is going to take a massive amount of education. But I, I believe that we can do that, by the way. I believe that we can educate because if phones are coming around the world, then we can educate on the use of those phones and how it's different now than it was 10 years ago. But one of the problems is if you call the Cambodian police, they are not going to refer that unless it's just a really horrific case. They are not going to ever let people in America know that, in fact, that was an American pedophile. And that's a big issue. It's my understanding, and I have not seen this completely in concrete numbers, But it appears as if right now that 50% of the online pedophilia is being done out of the U.S. And so we need a global reporting system. 
that we can't go in. But then we need to be able to educate people all around the world. Well, now that's a small problem, isn't it? <laughs> As I start to think that on, I go, okay, Alpha, you're sitting here in your own little bubble. How are you going to educate the whole world? Well, it occurred to me that, you know what? There are millions of missionaries around the world. And so I'm going to ask you that if you're a faith-based person, help us get connected. Susie and I are in the process of creating Million Kids Global, and we want to educate. They're already out there. But most, in my, my experience, most missionaries don't know anything about cyber exploitation themselves. And so we need to create a curriculum to educate missionaries all over the world. This is absolutely adamant that we do that. And help them understand this technology and what is happening. If you're not aware, you're liable to see a child be exploited in your community and you go, wow, that's awful. And you walk away and you think that's an isolated incident without ever realizing that it might be part of a worldwide cartel sex trafficking or sex exploitation ring. And so I'm thinking that if you're connected to a church or if you're a business person that that has a, uh, a, a heart for being able to do social justice and do it correctly, do it in a way that we can be accountable and make a difference. You know, we're not the UN. We're not a major, major organization. When you donate to me and kids, you're donating to the work and making this happen. So we'd ask you to let us know who you are and get involved and help us create these curriculums. And then the next thing we're going to have to do is take on literally supporting Uh, curriculums to educate third world kids that this is not appropriate and that they are not toys to be abused by wealthy people around the world, that they have dignity and that they have value and that we can teach them to teach others not to get engaged in this. So this is a multifaceted kind of idea. Along with it, we need to look at the laws and legislation and be able to support lawmakers to come up with legislation, and we need to support law enforcement. Now, the first thing we have to do is educate our law enforcement about this, and that is the work of me and kids. I do that a lot. I do that lately. It seems like all over the United States and Alaska, but, you know, we must have law enforcement to look at this because there's a kind of a built-in blasé, if you will. You see a guy, he's looking at a child, and you go, well, you know, the child, maybe they sent the photo themselves. Uh, They may not realize what they're looking at. They may not realize that this child is part of a large-scale ring that is being abused. And so we need to look at it from a law enforcement standpoint that it's different, that literally that we have to educate how urgent this is. You know, as I talked about sextortion in the past couple of weeks, and I hope you'll go back and look at those archived shows and understand sextortion, there's this kind of thing about, well, boys will be boys, and they'll look at naked photos, and girls will be girls, and now everybody's sending a naked photo. And we have a way of looking at the Internet 
like it's not real and it doesn't do harm. Just as the same as the pedophile looks at this and they say, you know, I'm not really guilty of anything. That took place in a foreign country. And uh, I was, you know, okay, I looked at it, but it's not my problem and, and it isn't really real. We have to overcome this idea that that exploitation on technology is not a victimless is a victimless crime. It is not. Somewhere there is a child being exploited. Even here in America, if a girl sends her own naked photo, if that goes out on a child porn ring, she's being exploited over and over and over and over. And it is very real to her. That shame, that violation, that exploitation is even if it's done in a fantasy world, online, live streaming, even if it's never recorded on video, that child is exploited. That child is harmed for the rest of their life. And this is very, very real. All of this is new, but we need warriors. We need you. We need you to get involved with us and help us take this on. We need your donation. We need your involvement. We need your expertise. We need your corporation to support us. We need uh, to be able to reach around the world with whatever resources you have. So this is Susie Carpenter and Opal Singleton. We're with me and kids, and we are very, very grateful to have you join us. We'd ask you to come back and join us again next week. Be sure and look at exploitedcrimes.com at the archive shows. Follow us on Me and Kids, and then let us know who you are and get involved. Stay with us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. It's staff and management.